There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The most important thing now is that all of us acknowledge and accept we are in, in times of very profound change. Demographics. The strength of Sinn Féin. The failure of Stormont. Disillusionment with Westminster. These are all factors and calls for a border poll and, of course, a united Ireland. We have made an ask of the Irish government consistently that they must now create the conditions for a conversation around constitutional change. That has always been our perspective and that will be my perspective tomorrow as well. There has been of late increasing demands for a vote on the border and it's an issue which doesn't seem to be going away despite unionist opposition to the idea. But it takes two to tango. Not only would Northern Ireland have to vote for a united Ireland, so would the Republic of Ireland. My ultimate political aspiration remains the coming together of all the people of Ireland, achieved peacefully and by consent. The South is a prosperous, settled democracy. Might people think twice before endorsing massive constitutional change? That was not the mandate sought by Sinn Féin in the last three weeks. The border poll was nearly buried from its documentation and its manifesto. And as soon as the votes are counted, it's brought back into centre stage. Finan Sheehan is the Ireland editor with the Sunday Independent and Irish Independent. I asked him this simple question. Would the South vote for a united Ireland? There's always talk in the air and it's constant about uh, border polls. So I suppose this podcast is about, you know, the Republic and taking that entirely different angle. So, I mean, I think my first question is, like Sinn Féin obviously get up in the morning and start thinking about a United Ireland and start talking about a United Ireland. But that, that's not the case with the other parties. Well, technically, I mean, Fianna Fáil, if you look at their their history and their their origins, I mean, they were what emerged from opposition towards the, the division uh, of, of Ireland. So they are still committed to United Ireland. Fine Gael's official title, curiously, is Fine Gael, the United Ireland Party, which always... It causes some amusement given, you know, different positions that, that party leaders have have taken uh, over the years on the, the Northern question. Um, weren't really perceived to be a strong Republican party. That's probably changing uh, nowadays and, and the party is, is ex- definitely expressing more support uh, towards the idea of a united Ireland. But no, nonetheless, I mean, Sinn Féin's raison d'etre is a united Ireland and pushing towards a, a border poll uh, on both sides of the border is is a key 
component of that. You'll notice, I think, over the last uh, 12, 18 months, the, the, the Sinn Féin, the language has, has slightly altered. It's gone from demanding a border poll to basically making preparations for a border poll. Because, I mean, you, you can you can break it down in, in very simplistic terms. What's the view of people in the Republic of Ireland about a united Ireland? We actually conducted a an opinion poll on, on this uh, last year. And largely speaking, it, it was shown that two and three voters in the Republic were supportive of a united Ireland, only 16% against it. And obviously you're seeing with your ongoing polls uh, the views of, of people in Northern Ireland on that subject. But nonetheless, from the perspective of people in, uh, uh, south of the border, shall we say, that does change when you start asking them, well, who exactly is going to pay for it? And there's a bit of befuddlement uh, about that uh, when you come to, to the Republic. Certainly, there isn't really a broader appreciation uh, of economically how it would work out once you remove the block grant from, from the equation uh, and basically say, right, well, under the, the new rules, the British government will no longer be sending a cheque for anything up to £10 billion to, to Northern Ireland to help fund uh, public services every year and therefore that would have to be financed out of the, the coffers uh, in Dublin or, or Belfast or wherever the new parliament uh, would be based. Uh, that question then you know, arises that you get less people supportive of actually paying uh, for, for the cost of a united Ireland. And also, I think there is a realisation post-Brexit that if you pose a question to people in a referendum, you better know what you're, what's going to happen the following day if you get a particular answer. So I think people saw since 2016, uh, in the wake of Brexit, Brexit was passed, but then really the British government didn't know what to do the following day, didn't know how it would work out. So Brexit has probably uh, aided the debate south of the border uh, in terms of the concept of a united Ireland, whereby people are now questioning, OK, well, how exactly would that work? Uh, what sort of a united Ireland would it be? Would it be two entirely separate entities with separate parliaments conjoined in some sort of uh, federal system along, along kind of a, a German model? Uh, would there continue to be devolved governments in Belfast uh, and Dublin? How would things like the economy work out, social welfare rates, health systems? Um, how exactly would all these, these things tally out on a very basic logistical basis? The dynamic has kind of changed so socially and economically over the course of probably the last 40 years, but very definitely in the last 25 uh, since the Good Friday Agreement. The economic access has swung quite dramatically where the Republic of Ireland is now a pretty thriving economy. Yes, we're now reporting budget surpluses in the middle of August of, of €6 billion Euros, uh, for the year. We're approaching full employment. We have got pretty good infrastructure here in terms of roads uh, and railway networks. We're struggling on housing. Our health service is still a dramatic problem, but there there is potential there. And I, th I think we, we probably have seen that infrastructure-wise, the, the pendulum has swung that the south of the border probably has got a better infrastructural system at this point in time. If there is catch-up made in terms of the HSE 
south of the border, matching up and surpassing uh, the NHS. And people have seen how the NHS system in Northern Ireland has been kind of starved of funding over the last number of years, that another piece of opposition towards the United Ireland will, will probably fall away. Also, when you, you look back at the history over the last 100 years, part of the fear of a United Ireland was that the Republic of Ireland was in the Maw was dominated by the Catholic Church. And you'd have to say that socially that has changed quite dramatically. The influence of the Catholic Church, uh, yeah, still the biggest biggest religion in the Republic of Ireland, but nonetheless, the, the influence of the actual church hierarchy has has shifted uh, quite dramatically. Now a very liberal country that in the past half dozen years has voted for both for same-sex marriage and then abortion rights. So those arguments that were there against the United Ireland happening, they're, they're probably being diluted uh, one by one, such that ultimately you're left with the, the cultural and social differences that, that that is the issue at hand. I'm interested, Fanon, in the Brexit question, and it's always brought up, uh, you know, many people believe Brexit was a disaster, except, of course, those people who wanted Brexit. And, as you know, you said, they, I mean, they voted on the principle and no one had a plan for what happened the next day. Nevertheless, I mean, from a Brexiteer point of view, they managed to win that argument and Britain, the UK, has left the European Union. So is there a case, perhaps, that you, you would have a preliminary referendum on the basic principle, which would then lead to, I suppose, negotiations, etc., and then another referendum to try and vote on a final settlement? Or am I thinking ahead too much? Yeah, I mean, it it, it is a case of how do you bridge that gap uh, between the principle of people wanting United Ireland and the practicality of of how exactly it it would uh, work, we're looking at it from a kind of a, a sectarian headcount kind of perspective here, and that we're we're kind of assuming that once a, a referendum is proposed, that you will have a majority of people in favour of a United Ireland in in Northern Ireland, and that that would uh, also be matched uh, by a result in the Republic. So say we, we come uh, to that scenario, then yeah, you would have to to knuckle down and and in effect, it would be similar to a, a treaty where you would go through the, the various aspects of political, social and economic values on both sides of the border and, and, and try and to match, match them up. The, the ultimately, even if you got through that process and you had another vote on that, you would still at, at the end of this process see a problem where anything up to a million people uh, in Northern Ireland who are not in favour of a United Ireland would would then find themselves uh, in a in a significant enough major or minority uh, in that they would then be part of a country that they did do not identify with. And how do you recognise those people's their their identity, their views, uh, their perspective, where they basically feel that they are alien to this new uh, entity that that has has come about so that's you know that's another another question again you get back into flags and emblems you get back into parliaments and and rep- representation a lot of the the same 
arguments that have been uh, happening in Northern Ireland, especially since the Good Friday Agreement, are suddenly rekindled again and on an even larger scale. But we, uh, you mentioned there uh, the poll, poll after poll um, on the basic question in the Republic seems to indicate a continuing support for United Ireland. However, you know, if I look at what Michal Martin said uh, in recent years, she said, well, I've never been an advocate for partition in my life and my party hasn't either. But we've moved a long way from 1921. He doesn't He doesn't sound like an enthusiast for United Ireland. And certainly if we look at around social media and other places, there does seem to be some implacable opposition to United Ireland uh, south of the border. So it, it's it, it's hardly... It hardly would be guaranteed any any sort of referendum. No, certainly not. Especially when you you get into the the nitty gritty of the, the detail, where you're basically saying to people, okay, if there is going to be United Ireland funding, is going to have to be taken from public services uh, in the Republic and redirected towards Northern Ireland to bring about a United Ireland. There there, there seems to be kind of an, an assumption that. Asher will just be Germany and sure they'll be they were reunited and everything was fine there. People ignore the fact that there was a a, a unification tax uh in that in that in that country for effectively thirty years uh, afterwards that that there was uh, a lot of economic pain that had to, had to be borne by people. So there would be a, a willingness of people in the in the Republic to back up their view that they want a united Ireland with that economic reality, and would they would they in effect be willing to to pay for it? Where Michal Martin has has come from now that he's become Taoiseach is the view that well, you need to bring communities along with you, in particular. Uh, developing uh, north-south uh, connections, uh, be it uh, infrastructure-wise or, or economically, and also that you need to talk to the unionist community uh, and that you need to convince them that they would be better off uh, as as part of a united Ireland and that that's where their, their future should, should lie. And I just felt that Sinn Féin's border poll, they put that in at the very beginning of this uh, discussion, and that has in my view, poisoned the well a bit. And whether Sinn Féin have any self-acknowledgement, uh, but they're not actually the best party to be dealing with other communities in the North in terms of advancing United Ireland because of their past and because of the IRA campaign, which they still endorse and which still causes problems. The dynamic, I suppose, would change and it would very much come to a head if Sinn Féin was to enter government. So if you look at Sinn Féin's progress south of the border, pottering along uh, through the the latter stages of of the peace process, doing relatively well, but almost treated as a kind of a left-wing party, but then had a massive breakthrough, obviously, two years ago uh, in terms of becoming the party with the largest support base uh, in the the Republic of Ireland. And that trajectory has continued quite substantially. For every two people who voted for Sinn Féin, three people are now saying they would vote for them according to the latest opinion polls. So sitting on 36%. And if you were looking at the next general election, you would say, yeah, Sinn Féin will be the largest party in that. The question mark is... Can they then put a coalition together? Because will anybody trust them, given their their past record and and some of their current uh, policy positions? So the dynamic would would change quite substantially if you end up with Taoiseach Mary Lou Macdonald, 
plus First Minister Michelle O'Neill at the same time, where Sinn Féin are in power and hold the leadership positions both north and south of the border, and you would then end up with in a position where the momentum towards the United Ireland uh, accelerates uh, quite quite dramatically, and do you then end up with a situation where it is inevitable that over the lifetime of that government that you would have polls on, on both sides of the border. That still doesn't answer the question, though, what happens the following day? And if anything, but the, we Sinn, can, Féin, we the can, Sinn Féin approach hasn't really addressed that. But we can say with reasonable certainty that that is Sinn Féin's not-so-secret master plan. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is their, um, their raison d'etre. It's the, the reason for, for the party to exist, where the other parties exist to to get into to influence policy to get into to government to implement such such policies uh Sinn Féin's uh reason for being uh, is to bring about a, a united Ireland as a number one priority for them we, we we when we're discussing this we we're always talking about the, you know the million unionists uh, to be integrated or somehow or accommodated or or, or kept as content as possible in a United Ireland. But the only way United Ireland can come about is that if uh, Nationalist Republicans win a referendum, that means that all of those unionist votes are essentially cancelled out. Is that an element we're not really taking into account, that a United Ireland would mean the integration of an awful lot of, of nationalists who have gone a different, who have lived a different experience over the last hundred years and who have different views on many, many things uh, from the body politic in the South. Do you think that that's an issue at all? Yeah. If anything, the the upsurge in interest now in in the Republic uh, is on a, a couple of factors that probably weren't there in the past. Yes, people here have, have always observed uh, unionism and republicanism, the the different uh, shifts in support for for the in individual parties, particularly in in nationalism over the course of the last quarter century, from the SDLP to Sinn Fein, but also on on the unionist side, uh, from from the UUP to to the DUP. So the parties who were previously on the margins now very much uh, center stage and and in control. There's also, though, been a lot of interest uh, south of the border in the emergence of a, a, a third plank of voters, not neither unionists uh, nor nationalists. This this growth in in kind of middle ground voters who are there to be one one way or another. You've seen it in the in the growth for the Alliance Party, the the Green Party, uh, other left wing parties. So you know we are now interested in seeing right. Well, who are these one in five voters who are who don't vote uh, along those traditional lines uh, one way or another? And if anything, you'd argue they are very much. Uh, the, the ones uh, who will determine whether there will be a United Ireland or not because if, if they are, are not uh, won over or convinced by the arguments then then they're not going to pitch for it whereas we kind of know what's going to happen come a referendum uh, on the nationalist and, and unionist sides. There's also a great deal of interest probably in obviously what happens in in Scotland, whether Scottish independence can come about as a result of the growth uh, in the in the SNP, whether there will be a referendum in in, in the coming 12, 
12 months uh, or whether that has actually peaked and is is now kind of destined to kind of uh, drift away as a question for quite some time. So there there is still uncertainty south of the border about well, what exactly would happen if there was a referendum. Fanon, you mentioned the Scottish um, example there uh, and the Scottish referendum, which the the nationalists lost, of course. Now, one of the, I suppose, side effects of that is that we saw the the press in general in Scotland really applying a lot of close scrutiny to any possible independence, as you would expect. But also we saw, you know, strong campaigning for the union from many parts of the press, uh, something which has perhaps uh, left deep wounds in Scotland. Do you think objective journalism is really possible on a question such as a United Ireland? Well, I do because I I think if you look at things like, for example, the EU referenda that we have had over recent decades in in the Republic, you have seen quite close scrutiny of arguments uh, against uh, further integration, although I think in more recent referenda, what's probably hampered the, the no campaigns in the, the same-sex marriage and abortion referendum is that, you know, they weren't as substantial as as, as the yes vote. But yes, you, you did see them getting a, a significant uh, platform. There are rules, for example, uh, that govern entities like our public sector broadcaster RTE that they have to give an equal billing to both sides of an argument in a in a referendum campaign and also in the in the the run up to it over the over the coming coming years you know there will continue to be scrutiny around well how exactly does it work what happens uh, economically to the country. How do you align, for example, the, the social welfare rates that are paid uh, in the Republic of Ireland uh, with with those in Northern Ireland? How will our policing system work? Uh, what entitlements will there be to housing? How will you align things like uh, property taxes? What exactly will happen in the education system, uh, be it that around the United Ireland or the, the teaching of religious education, certainly uh, the teaching of, of history, and also uh, what exactly will you do to ensure that those who are opposed uh, to United Ireland are actually accommodated in this, this new republic? In his contribution to Tornishta, who will be Taoiseach again in just over two months' time, repeated his support for a united Ireland. But he also had a warning. There is a distinct danger that we could focus too much on a border poll and on future constitutional models and not enough on how we enhance engagement, build trust and create the conditions for a convincing majority of change. Questions are on the flag. Uh, have been quite amusing to observe on this side of the border in that you have had people like the Tonish and Leo Varadkar saying, well, look, if United Ireland comes about, people uh, in the South are going to have to concede certain ground, although the, the tricolour 
is supposed to be, you know, uniting uh, republicanism and unionism, the green and the orange. It has become associated with with one side, and therefore uh, we'll have to give up the, the tricolor as a national flag, and and new national emblems will have to come about. And you have seen some pushback here south of the border with people saying, "Oh, this is outrageous that this is going to happen." So I don't really know have people thought about the sort of concessions that are going to have to be made uh, in a in a in a compromise scenario like that. You literally can't turn the clock back uh, 100 years or turn it back 400 years and just say, "Well, listen, we're going to be an independent United Ireland now." Uh, and and therefore we're all going to be unified under under one national emblem when there will be a cohort of people who won't be of that view. You also have to bear in mind the demographics of the Republic have changed quite dramatically. The reason for population growth uh, in the country over the last uh, number of years uh, has been an influx of people from abroad. We were a country dominated by emigration for the first 75 years of our independence and for hundreds of years before that. And for the last 25 years, uh, we've seen that that migration has been the, the story in Ireland. So it, we, we're not quite aware of, of, well, how do these new communities in Ireland feel about United Ireland? It's not something that is is part of their heritage uh, or, their, or their history. Also, the economic questions will arise in that our economic growth and our economic development has very much been driven by inward investment, which has been contributed by a, a number of factors, our low corporation tax, our education system, our membership of the EU, but also the stability that we've had in this country means that it is, it is an attractive option if you're in a, a boardroom. Uh, over in Silicon Valley and you're looking at where to invest and if suddenly Ireland is saying well we're going to be transforming over the course of the next 10 years you may well have uh, the inward investment community going well okay maybe that's not the best place to go to for the next 10 years we hope it all works out well for you but we might pick another option over the course of the, the next decade as you try and attain a level of stability again. And finally, you do give me the impression that you do think that there will be a referendum. I, I, I think there I think that there will be a referendum. I don't think uh, it's inevitable that it is going to happen within the next five or even ten years. but I, I do think that the the demographic changes that we are seeing uh, in Northern Ireland is going to mean that probably, within the next 20 years, we are going to see a referendum on this question. Yeah. And I think probably things like Brexit are going to have an impact, ironically not, in tying the tying Northern Ireland closer uh, to the United Kingdom, but I think it'll actually be have an impact in, in the opposite direction that there are a cohort of people who saw membership of the European Union as being a positive for Northern Ireland. And the fact the Republic remains a member of, of the EU, I think that that those those ties will continue to bind. So I don't subscribe to, to this view that we're going to see it uh, in the next five years. But I, I think, yes, within the next generation, uh, probably as being borne out as well by the opinion polling, such as the poll you had yourselves in the last uh, in the last month, was showing that 
a younger generation is growing up now, north and south of the border, to whom the troubles don't mean anything to them. The campaigns carried out by the provisional IRA and indeed by groups uh, on on the on the loyalist side, it doesn't impact upon them. They can't remember them, and therefore they have a, a different perspective on the future because they're not looking to the past. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. The archive clips you heard were from News Talk, RTE, Channel 4, Sky News, RTE Archives, and The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a 75 euro O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.